And hello to our faithful listeners once again, and welcome back to another episode of the AI Partnerships Podcast. My name is Anne Ching from Supercharged Lab, and of course, I am your host for today. My next guest, Don Bosco, is the founder of Be Human AI, a tech business that creates customized video clips that look completely identical to pre-recorded footage that helps you to engage with potential prospects through human connectivity at scale. And how do they do this, you may ask? Be Human achieves this by using a mixture of unique voice cloning, automated lip syncing, and morphing technology. What they can do can be applied in a variety of industries, including marketing, sales, political campaigns, as well as education, and even hospitality. So, Without further ado, hello, Don. It is so good to have you in here. Hi, Anne. Thank you for having me. Great. So let's get started. Tell us a little bit about you, how you, you know, about BeHuman.ai as well as your backstory. And you know what? Yeah. You know, during the pre-show conversation, you said you spent some time in Milan. Tell us about Milan. Sure, yeah. Well... You know, how I got here and how I landed on this technology and this product is really completely by chance and just being led by, honestly, necessity, uh, needing to pay rent and um, figuring things out as I went and it sort of led me here on this opportunity. Um, so, you know, some background on myself, um, been starting businesses since I was, you know, 10 years old, just in my DNA, right? Can't help myself. It's almost a disease at this point. Um, but ended up going to study finance at a school called Bocconi in Milan. And, you know, my family's from Italy originally. So, you know, I love Italy and I love Milan, but ended up realizing I didn't want to work for a bank. I didn't want to push numbers in Excel all day. Um, so ended up dropping out when I was 19 years old. And, you know, to the dismay of my parents, right, um, was on my own, 19 in Milan, got to pay rent. What do I do next? Right. So ended up starting probably a dozen businesses and they all fail like dominoes except for one, which was lead generation. And so I was running a lead generation agency where we were booking meetings with typically it was Fortune 500 executives and directors with our clients, trying to get them into a conversation with them um, to, so they could sell them their product or their service, whatever it would be. And that worked, you know, did that for a couple of years and just through, you know, good copywriting and crafty techniques and methods and really just staying on top of the head of the curve um, was able to, to grow that agency decently but things got tougher and tougher as the market became more saturated right directors these sort of uh, fortune 500 executives like everybody else got busier and busier their inboxes got fuller and fuller right people started to adapt cold email and linkedin messaging and it became commonplace and it became more difficult to break through the clutter and actually get these people's attention and moreover get their time. And so around that time, I knew that, you know, we had to adapt and that's where I started to play around with the video. So ended up recording these video messages one by one in a personalized way. You know, for example, like, hey, Anne, I see you're over at Microsoft. Um, you know, there's a technology I want you to know about. I know you're working in the, you know, data science and there's this amazing new tool I need to show you, right? And we did personalized messages like that and it worked, which was great, but the problem was it wasn't scalable. And so that's why, that's how I got to the point of asking myself, all right, we have something here, but how do we scale it with technology? And at that time I really thought, okay, this is a, this is great for lead generation. And we developed something that was great for lead generation. But then I started to get people who would reach out to me from, 
industries I never expected, politics, healthcare, automotive. And that's when I saw, okay, there's a larger opportunity here. Let's make this be human. And that's how I found be human. That's very fascinating, Don. So tell us a little bit more because, you know, you talk a little bit about voice cloning, lip syncing, morphing. How does your tech differ from deep fakes and how does your technology truly build inherent trust, believability, and even human connectivity? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, our motto is human connections at scale, really. And, you know, we see that as our main product is we're enabling you to generate human connections with any number of people, right? And so the human aspect is super important to us. But to answer your question about deepfakes, so, you know, the difference between what we do in a deepfake is a deepfake is... Think of it more like painting a masterpiece, right? If Leonardo da Vinci is painting the Mona Lisa, he's spending lots of time on that, right? He's laboring over that. For some cases, you know, deepfakes can take months to make highly hyper-realistic uh, deepfakes. And yeah, obviously there's, you know, computing power that's going into that, of course, that's the engine behind, but there needs to be a human hind, that, human uh, hand, excuse me, that guides that. Um, whereas our technology, thinking of it more as a printing press. So you create a template, you, you set the guides, right? You press the button and it out comes from one video, thousands or even millions of unique videos that in their own respect look completely real and that are personalized for the recipient. And so deepfake is, a, you know, typically it's used either for jokes or sometimes for manipulation, right? Um, to impersonate someone where our technology, you have to record your template, right? So the actor has to be fully aware of what they're doing here. Um, and you know, the human part again is, is our, actually our number one product KPI. The number one thing that we're tracking, we care about is believability, right? If our videos don't look real, we're doing something completely wrong. Our value is gone, right? So every video we make has to look real. The viewer has to think this was actually recorded for them because when a viewer thinks that something has been made for them, crafted for them, recorded for them, and there's research that went into that and we're personalizing it, right? There's a lot of reciprocity that comes into play, right? They feel valued and special. And that's an experience we want to provide our customers. They can give their customers and whoever else they're talking to. Sure. So what are your plans with um, Be Human and its future? Great question. Um, so we are right now launching our SaaS platform. By the time you hear this podcast, it's probably live. Um, so, you know, we have this technology and we've deployed it for large Fortune 500 companies and large enterprises around the world. And we're bringing it to the public market, putting it in hands of everyday mom and pop e-commerce stores, startups like ourselves, right? Anyone's going to be able to use it and it's actually free. Um, so that's one thing. We're bringing this to the public market. But then the next thing we're doing is we're continuing to innovate. So we have a really, really strong R&D pipeline. Um, what we're moving towards is the ability to have human conversations where you ask me a question and I respond and we're going back and forth and it looks completely real, but I'm not actually here, right? And so we're working towards this technology. We're super excited about it. Great. So as an AI practitioner, what is your greatest challenge and how have you been able to overcome it? Yeah, I, I'd say, you know, the, the biggest thing about AI the biggest challenge, the thing that people oftentimes miss is the contextual nature of AI, right? AI is great. It's probably the biggest innovation, you know, since the internet itself, right? But it needs to have a context, an environment that's predefined to operate in, to train in, of course, and then solve a specific task. So you need to think about AI with the context in mind, right? And I think the biggest, the best AI is AI that is cleverly designed so that 
the context is planned, of course, so it can work. But then when users use the AI and interact with it, it doesn't feel like it's stuck in a box, right? Um, so AI works best when the creator plans around its usage in the most clever out-of-the-box way where the machine has what it needs to operate, yet users feel like someone just waved the wand and there's magic happening. So there's a lot of thinking that goes into it, right, in strategic planning. Um, but creativity applied to AI is where I see magic. Great. So, you know, um, I'm a practitioner of marketing AI and, you know, I've noticed that today more than ever, there's been this massive competition for everybody's attention from billboards to buzz, from engagement to advertising. How do you think the quest for attention will play out in a world of accelerating artificial and even super intelligence? Yeah, great, great question. And it's important to think about the long-term trends here. I mean, this, this race, this competition for attention, I mean, it's been going on since humans have been humans, right? Starting when there's a uh, herald in the town square on a soapbox yelling out advertisements or put a poster on a wall or an ad in a newspaper or the first online ad and, you know, leading up to what be, be human is, right? It's a natural evolution. And you think about where is this trend going? The first thing is that it's accelerating, right? So it takes, you know, a couple hundred years of newspaper ads and then the next medium is direct mail and the next medium online ads. And so things are getting faster and faster every three years, if you haven't switched mediums or changed strategies, you're behind the game and your competitors are getting attention and you're not. So we're seeing that um, there's a the pace is becoming far more rapid here. Where this is going is that the digital space will end up being indistinguishable between what's real and what's not real, right? I mean, that's just the natural direction things are heading. And so Right now, a consumer sees a video, they know, okay, this video, as long as there's no obvious manipulations, right, this video, it's real, right? Video for us is a source of proof, um, a source of truth, really. And that's going to change just as images, right? People think, okay, that photo may have been doctored, right? They have that train in their mind now, but maybe 15 years ago they didn't. And the same thing will happen with video where people start to imagine, okay, maybe this video was manipulated in some way. That's going to happen maybe in five-ish years down the road from here. And so we're constantly innovating, but this will become not a defect, but rather a feature, right? Where people can say what, you know, whatever they're, whatever service they're interacting with online, right? They're able to have more smooth and seamless communication because you can do things like be human. Um, and so it'll make communication easier, right? Yeah, for sure. So I'm, we're, we're coming to the end of, uh, of our podcast, uh, quite quickly. Um, just a quick wrap up. What words of advice would you give to younger startups trying to get going? What are the biggest lessons you've learned within your journey and how do you think startups, especially young startups, could find their, their fit and make a sale and establish consistent and scalable revenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the first advice I'd give to a founder is to emotionally detach from the results of what you're working on, the external results, right? I'll give you an example, right? When we were pitching to investors before we were funded for our first round, we probably had dozens of conversations and some of them said this sounds good i'm going to write you a term sheet right and for whatever reason things don't work out and if you emotionally invest in that right you're going to have ups and downs and it's going to be exhausting and so you need to detach and that same thing goes for acquiring your first customer right i mean the most important thing 
is to listen to the market and have such thick skin that you can adapt and continue. And sometimes it's a road that takes years and you gotta be willing to commit to that. Um, in terms of getting your first sale, I mean, it's about listening to the market and about giving the market what it wants, very simply, right? People are fairly straightforward. They'll tell you what they want in an ideal world. And the problem is, is that no one is able to provide that up to this point. If you could figure out how to provide that, then you're in business. And so be sensitive to what people want and, you know, sometimes you just got to say, yes, I can do that, even if you don't know how, and the necessity will force you to make it happen. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Don. Um, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Yes, so you can shoot me an email anytime, Don at BeHuman.ai. Um, and if you do that and mention this podcast, we'll throw in some free videos for you when you sign up. Well, that is so generous. It's a wrap. Thank you once again, Don, for, and to our listeners for tuning in. Don Bosco, once again, is the founder of BeHuman.ai. And once again, my name is Anne Cheng of Supercharged Lab on behalf of the AI Partnerships Podcast. Signing off. Thanks for being here. <laughs>